I will do anything that promotes high school sports. Is it because that's what he believes in his soul that is the best way to do it? Or is that because that's the only way he ever learned? And by the way, I'd also say, you show me a good coach and I'll generally show you a good teacher. Hey everybody, welcome to the High School Coaches Club podcast. I'm your host, Max Price. There's a saying often repeated by high school baseball players after a teammate hits his first career home run, and it goes something like this. If you hit one home run, you're not a home run hitter. And if we apply the same logic to podcast shows, if you've published one episode, you're not really a podcast host. But with this being the second episode of the High School Coaches Club, I suppose we're officially a real podcast now. So anyway, thank you for joining me on this journey to try to find some of the best minds in high school sports. I think it's a worthwhile quest, and it's one that I'm so appreciative that you've become a part of. And here in the second episode of the High School Coaches Club, we welcome in Brian Sutherland. Brian was a longtime assistant coach for multiple sports at South Salem High School right here in Salem, Oregon. Later in his career, he became the athletic director at West Salem High School. After eight years of that, he retired and then he was sucked back into becoming an assistant coach again right here at South Salem High School. So he has a lot to tell from a long career in sports, and I'm, I'm just so excited and happy to have him here. So please welcome aboard Brian Sutherland. All right, and we're on here with Brian Sutherland. Brian, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Um, so you've you've had a, a good long career. You're kind of semi-retired now. Um, can you go as far back as, as you can and kind of take us through your coaching career, teaching career, and, and then kind of where you've, you've traveled and gone to over that time? Uh, I actually started uh, coaching in Salem-Kaiser. My wife was hired as Sprague's uh, JV volleyball coach, JV basketball coach, and JV softball coach. Those were back in the days when if you wanted a job, you needed to coach something. And, uh, and I wasn't in education at the time, or I, I, I didn't have a full-time job. I did a little substitute teaching, and then I, then I got out of education for just a brief period. But anyway, uh, I helped her back, and that had to be probably in the 81, 82, uh, and that was at Sprague. Got Like I said, got out of education for a while, came back into education, started teaching again in 86. And uh, my first uh, teaching job was down in South Albany. Uh, and I was a girls basketball coach and softball coach uh, down there and later on coached baseball. Then I came to McKay. I left there and went to McKay. And McKay, I coached basketball and baseball. Uh, coach for Dan Gordon over there. I don't know if oh, you yeah. know Dan. Yeah, uh, I coached uh, with Dan at North Salem High School. Yeah. So, you know, it was, uh, went there and coached with Dan for two years. And then from there in 1989, I transferred over to South and, uh, primarily coached football. Uh, the, uh, it, but I also ended up da- coached a couple of years, maybe a couple, three years. I don't remember of, uh, basketball for under Barry Adams and, uh, also coached baseball, uh, myself and your current athletic director, Brian Armstrong, uh, the, uh, we both coached, uh, for, uh, uh under Terry Haugen. Heard of him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the, uh, and then, then from there, uh, in 2003, I went to West, uh, Salem as the AD. Uh, I was an, I never was an head coach. I was assistant coach. I coached football for 17 years. I coached for, I coached for 17 years. I coached football at South for 13 years and then went over, uh, I was assistant coach and then went over to uh, West as a uh, athletic director. 
And was West? Did you go over there when West Elm High School first opened? No, I was smart. Yeah, the, <laughs> I, I chuckle. I chuckle about that because, and I used to kid the the people over there. That first year they opened up, and it was like they were taking all comers, you know. And of course, you know who went there. And the guy, you know, I and I'll be honest with you, I was probably the guy, the teacher that was saying to the kid in the back of my room who, you know, I couldn't get to work or, or worse, he was, you know, hard kid to get along with. You, son, need a fresh start. You need to head over to West Salem where those guys, that'll be a fresh start for you. So all these kids transferred in to, you know, West Salem. And the first year was a lot of just trying to, I mean, it it was sorting things out. And and I hate to say this, it sounds terrible, but it was kind of getting rid of those kids that all came there. So I waited one year after they did all the hard work, after I encouraged all these people to go over there, <laughs> they did all the hard work. And then I went over there the next year. I'll tell you what, that, there you go. Yeah, I, I don't, I, I'd like to say it was planned, but it wasn't so much. <laughs> so you became the, the AD at West Elm high school. How long did you do that? I was actually a discipline assistant principal for my first four years, and okay. uh, then I was eight years as uh, athletic director at West. Gotcha. And that would have been, you stepped down in what, 2015? 2015. 2015, 2015. Uh, summer of 2015. Bill Whitman took mm-hmm. over. And so since then, you've been assistant coaching for, for South Salem High School, where I, I currently am as the baseball coach. You do uh, softball and football there? Uh, the last two years I have coached, I was out of coaching altogether for uh, – um, a couple of years anyway. And then, uh, I, as you remember, I came over to South Salem to serve as an inter, kind of an interim assistant principal. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Scott Defoe asked me to come back and coach, uh, football. Um, and that it, I, the one thing about being an AD and I love being an AD and the people at West are fantastic, but, uh, you know, y- you lose contact with kids. And so, and I'll give you the, I'll give you the name that I always tell people, you know, I mean, People would come up to me and say, you know, hey, what's that Andy Armstrong like? You know, Andy plays shortstop at OSU. And, you know, and I and I knew him, you know, a little bit. Hey, he seems like a great kid. But I didn't have that relationship like you would have with one of the players at South, you know, where you knew him personally. And, you know, I mean, just that closeness. And uh, so when I got out of it, when Scott, I was over there serving as assistant principal, Scott came down and said, hey, would you like to coach again? And it's always something I wanted to do. And so I did it and I went back and started helping Scott. And then Scott McCormick uh, saw me and Scott and I go back to about 1982 as well. We played slow pitch together and, and Scott said, Hey, I've always wanted to coach with you. Cause I used to coach a lot of girls uh, sure. softball or a lot of softball when my daughter was uh, growing up. And so uh, anyway, so he asked me and, Next thing you know, I'm coaching softball too. So yeah, you were on staff with him when he became the winningest coach in Oregon softball history. Yes, I was. Yes, <laughs> you know the funny thing is about Scott. I actually, uh, when I I was I played slow pitch. He was a teammate, and uh, then several years later, I was an umpire, and I actually umpired his games. And then you know, then ended up coaching with him. So I mean, we've we've pretty much been in every role. <laughs> yeah. So you, so your whole career uh, never were head coach. Was it ever something that you wanted to do or thought about doing, or were you always more comfortable or, or happier with assistant coaching? I, you know, it's funny, Max, because I think this is, and I, I, this is a broad statement, but I think every assistant coach at some point has imagined themselves as a head coach, uh, meaning that 
well, I, I think I would do things just a little different. I, you know, I, I would do this or I would do that. Um, but in hindsight, I look at it. I actually, in a lot of ways, had the best of all worlds in that, that um, I, I got to coach for a long time with a lot of different people. I don't know that I could be I, – I coached a lot of different sports, and I don't know that I could coach all those different sports if I was a head coach. So, for, you know, meaning that I, I, it's – being a head coach has so many responsibilities. You know that. Oh, my gosh. And, I mean, I, how, I, I, how Scott Defoe does it in football and wrestling, I have no idea. That's just, I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, uh, I think I think a lot of times, yeah, you know, as a head coach, there's part of you deep down that miss. For I can speak for myself, I guess, deep down really misses just the you show up and I'm helping you coaching kids, and then I go home, and then I yeah. go back the next day and I help and I coach kids without all this extra stuff. I mean, as a head coach, it, that that part of coaching is only maybe five percent of what you spend your time doing. Yeah, and you know, and and as you say, I know, and I know exactly what you're saying. I, I've often, you know, the the idea of showing up, hitting some ground balls, hitting some fly balls, pitching a little batting practice, and then hey, guys, good luck, Max. Tell me what I'm going to do tomorrow. Uh, you know, and but on the other hand. You know this too. Is that though? If you've got good assistants, they're mm. that's not what they're doing. They're uh, I mean, they're, they're game changers. And, yeah, and, and they're and they're also guys that are talking to you, giving you suggestions, bringing you insights. I mean, they're all in. I mean, I, I don't want to downplay. Yeah. I was like that. I mean, I put in countless hours, but I I don't know that I ever put, could possibly put in the countless hours that a head coach puts in, and especially on stuff that. I mean, like fundraising. God bless it. And uh, all of you guys are doing. Oh my God! I, you know, I, I'll show. I, I, I'm lucky I, as an assistant coach. I show up, and I'm told, "Here's what you need to do." Ah, oh, man, just the coordination of that's brutal. You know, I, I, I coached. I was the head coach in my summer teams and doing all that kind of stuff. And I, I did it on a much smaller scale than people like yourself or Scott or Sean Stanley or any of those people do. But the, uh, um, so I had that experience, but man, I tell you what, I, I'm a person that the night before a game dreads making a lineup, I mean, you know, for, because I, you know, the idea of somebody not playing, you know, I mean, it just, yeah. that, I mean, so I, I don't, I, I think I made the right decision to just be assistant coach. <laughs> Yeah, that, that part of coaching is real hard. I, I've had kids. I mean, you've, you you know, I've been fortunate enough to have some pretty talented teams the last few years. And when you have a, a talented team, there's going to be some kids who don't play a lot. And so when you're sitting and making the lineup, you know, you get three or four games in a row and you're like, man, I haven't gotten this kid in the game. You start feeling it just it doesn't feel good. It's, yeah. it's hard. <laughs> well, even 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 when you've got kids that are clearly not those yeah. kids but they come and they work hard every day and you want you know and 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 they've got dreams too i mean they you know so you know want to get them in the lineup but you just can't i mean realistically it's based on merit so you know it's just a tough deal and like i said those things they keep me awake at night i'm sure they do you too yeah but it, it really it's not something that i i'm, I'm glad i didn't i i May, I'm not unhappy. I missed that opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to put it. That's a good way to put it. Um, so I, I guess kind of where I, I'd like to see this conversation go is more towards your time as an activities or sorry, an athletic director and, and kind of what you did in your role as an AD for, for eight years. Um, I think as a, as a coach from the coaching side, 
we live in our bubble. So I, you know, I'm a baseball coach, so I'm focused on baseball. And so the things I ask of my athletic director, Brian Armstrong, it's never going to be about, you know, finding equitable, you know, outcomes for other sports. It's going to be about me and baseball and things that I need and we need. And I think our players need, um, on the other side of that, the flip side of that coin, the AD has got to balance everybody's wants and needs and their problems and their issues. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you handle that when you've got so many different programs involved? Well, first of all, I, I this is where I think one of the advantages I had. For, I had several advantages in terms of being an AD. First of all, I lived in I've lived in Salem since 1981, so there's very few people in high school sports that I haven't met at some point. So you know when a and I'll use some names. Did you? I, you remember John Black, the umpire? Absolutely, uh, so, he's one of the. He's probably the best umpire in the in the state. Yeah, and I and I I've known John for years. So when John would come over to referee a basketball game or umpire a baseball game, I knew John. So I mean, it would made that made it easy. Uh, I also think being an assistant coach for so long uh, showed me. Uh, I, I had a philosophy, and and my philosophy was, um, and. If you can picture this, if you if you can picture, I, I got this. I, I I have an MBA out of Lambeth as well, and one of the things that we they talked about, uh, a guy named I think his name was Peter Drucker, talked about was his model for administration was that if you had a circle, if you drew a circle, the people who and you and inside that circle you put the uh, those are the people that are the core that do the core work. Those are the teachers. Those are the coaches. Those are the people that do the core work of your organization. Then if you drew another circle outside that circle, uh, that would be administration. And, and then outside that circle is the environment. The environment throws a lot of stuff at teachers and coaches. My job as an administrator, this is the way I looked at it, was to protect those people and to make sure they could do their job without as much interference as possible. Mm-hmm. So my job as an AD was to protect Max Price, for example, you know, that from parents that, you know, are try to try to filter as much of that as possible. Uh, you know, my job was to make sure that, uh, in, in my case, Sean Stanley, when he went out to a football game, didn't have to worry about the scoreboard working. Uh, a basketball coach didn't have to worry about the floor being swept. I when when my coaches hit the floor, I want them to be focused on doing what they need to do, which is coaching. And same thing I would say with teachers, uh, as an assistant principal, which by the way, an athletic director in Salem Kaiser is. Oh, yeah. My job is to make sure that it, that teachers can do their job with as little interference as possible. Now that doesn't mean that we shield them from you know when they do things incorrectly, but by the same token. I don't want them to have to worry about if the lights are going to be on. Uh, you know, I mean, it's it, my job is to make their job easier, and so they can, or to make the, to allow them to focus on their job. So it's funny you say that. So when I was the, uh, I took over at South Salem back in 2017 as a head coach, and the day before our first game, I thought, um, you know, I should make sure that the things on our field work. Uh, and so, for, you know, for those listening, Gilmore Field, our, our baseball field, is located. Uh, uh, few blocks away from the high school so it's kind of isolated and so I went to figure out the scoreboard and lo and behold the thing wouldn't turn on here here we are you know less than 24 hours away from our first game and I can't even get the scoreboard to turn on nightmare yeah and you know yeah and 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 it so 
what I would do in that situation, it's just me, is that, you know, I would have sent out to Micah Tiffin, who was my baseball coach at that time, or Ty Nicholson, my, uh, who was my uh, softball coach at, at that time. I might have said, actually, I guess Ty, yeah, Ty was, he did coach for me, now that I think about it. But the, uh, uh, I would have sent out a note ahead of time, say, hey, make sure that everything's working. And if it's not, then let me know so I can get somebody on it. Yeah. You know? And uh, so that was kind of my philosophy and what I tried to do. Uh, I, I also had a, uh, I, my mentor as an AD was Dave Johnson, who was the longtime AD at South. Uh, and, uh, and now there were two Dave Johnsons at South. There was Dave Johnson, the Olympian. And right. Dave Johnson, the South Salem grad, uh, we, I, I refer to one as the legend and one as the Olympian. Uh, and Dave Johnson, the legend, was my uh, mentor. And, uh, you know, I, he gave me uh, uh, some fundamental philosophies. And uh, one of them was that, you know, I don't like surprises. I mean, I, I, I don't know if you've heard that from Brian Armstrong, but you know, so what he was saying was, if anything goes wrong, I don't want the first pay, the first phone call to be from a parent. I want it to be from you. So if you would, if you did something stupid, you went out, maybe you used some language that you shouldn't have used. Uh-huh. I want to be, you call me so that when the parent calls in, I can say, Coach Sutherland's talked to me about it. He realizes he screwed up and, you know, I'm on it. Uh, the worst thing for an AD is when he gets that phone call and he's going, uh, I don't know what you're talking about, you know? And so, and, and that doesn't mean when, you know, somebody calls and says that my kid didn't play, that's a whole different animal. But, well, uh, sure. but, uh, um, but, but it's, you know, when those things go wrong, that was one of the things that Dave always taught me. I had a great AD who, who kind of guided me. And so I think being an assistant coach for a long time, I saw a lot of things. I saw a lot of things that you would have had to deal with. And so when I became an AD, I decided that that was one of the things I didn't want you to have to deal with that stuff or as little of it as possible. You're, you're making a really good case for assistant coaches being athletic directors. Cause I've never really thought about that, but when you have a, a broad experience with multiple head coaches and multiple sports, that's probably, uh, to be honest with you, that's probably more valuable than a, a head coach of one sport for years becoming an AD. Well, I think, you know, yeah, I, I mean, I, I did, I had a broader, a broad experience. And so I got to like, from my perspective, I got to watch a lot of what you had to deal with. And, you know, but you think of uh, Brian Armstrong, your AD never was a head coach, long time, long time assistant coach. Uh, He's kind of had the same experience I had. So I, that's why, you know, you'll hear people say that they, that somebody shouldn't be an AD unless they were a head coach. I'm not sure that's the case. Uh, You know, because, I don't know that that's a disqualifier, yeah, but uh, it, it, it worked for me anyway. But I, but, I, but I won't discount that I had a fantastic mentor in Dave Johnson. So, you know, I, I had that going for me, even though I wasn't a head coach. You mentioned in there when coaches um, or when parents field phone calls to you regarding playing time for, for their kids. And I'm sure you've experienced that quite a few times where, where parents come directly to you. Um, if there's high school head coaches listening, what advice would you kind of pair out to them in regards to playing time and, and players and communicating with them and their families and trying to approach that before it becomes an issue? You know, one of the smartest things, this sounds really crazy, but the, uh, uh, I'm going to go back to Brian Armstrong for a second. Brian was in like his second or third year at South Salem as a teacher. And, uh, he, we shared a room 
And he was on a cart. He was a new teacher. I was an older teacher. You know how that works. And so he was kind of moving around. And on my prep, he would come in and teach. One day he told the kids, he said, okay, guys, get your notes out. Oh, man, you know, oh, groaning, oh, you know, doing all that. And and Brian had one of the greatest phrases I've ever heard of. And I didn't realize what he said at the time. It took me a few minutes, and then I got it. He said, that's all right, guys. I've got friends of my own. And, <laughs> that's and, beautiful. And it is beautiful. And that, <laughs> And frankly, in terms of parents, that was my philosophy. I, I'm not – I don't – I, I – one of the biggest issues I think we've got right now, or one of the hardest issues for an AD, is the everybody's your friend when things are going right. Mm-hmm. When their kids hitting, and I don't blame them. I, I I have to admit, I'm kind of embarrassed to admit it. I did the same thing. When your kid gets involved, we all go a little nuts, and you know, and so I, you know, when your kid's hitting leadoff, and you know getting every chance to do everything he can, those friends are, they are true friends. <laughs> and when those people, when, when they're not, then that gets a little cold. And so uh, here, uh, you know, it's funny. People would ask me at West, oh man, you must have a lot of problems with parents over there. You know, man, I, I had about four problems. Really. I, I did not have problems with, but I didn't reach out. I wasn't, I mean, I was, I, I was smart enough to understand or maybe, maybe experienced enough to know just to, that that we we can be friends after your kid has moved through, uh, but we can't. You know, but right now we just need to be. We need to have our own rules. You be a parent. I'll be the athletic director. That's it. We can't go out and you know hang out together and be buddies afterwards. And and I think that that helped me a lot. Um, but I do. I wasn't cold. I wasn't. I wasn't. I didn't. Wasn't mean to anybody. I just you know I had my own role and that was it. Uh, so I think that helped me a lot. And, uh, you know, another thing I, uh, went to it and he, this is a key thing too, Max, is that as I tell you this, and I, I mentioned this to you earlier about every, when you get to my age, you got a story for everything. And so, uh, and, and it's true. The, uh, I went to an ADs conference one time and a guy named Kevin Bryant was there and he was talking to the other ADs. He just, by the way, was the AD in Redmond for both Redmond high school and Ridgefield Ridgeview high school. And, uh, he was talking about, you know, and he gave this example and he was, he, he said, uh, um, so parent comes in and this is kind of a philosophy thing. I only actually had to say it maybe one time to an actual parent, but it was kind of a philosophy. So you're, you're telling me that Max Price, who you admit is a good guy, he's a good guy, and he likes to win games. He's purposely playing someone who would hurt him winning games instead of playing your child. Is that, is that kind of where, do you see where I'm getting at? I did. So if your child was better, Max likes to win, wouldn't it make sense that Max would play your child? I mean, I, you know how much he, and this is what Kevin said that really brought it home. You know how much Max would have to hate your child to not play him? And that's true. Nobody, no coach yeah. does that. I mean, that's, you know, and so trying to get parents to understand that it's, it's not personal. It's just, I mean, somebody's got to make the decisions. And, you know, so I really didn't have a lot of problems with parents. I mean, I, uh, I, and I ended up with some great friends over there. I think that most people uh, respected what I did. I mean, it, would they would they like a different outcome sometimes probably but uh, it, that's kind of what my philosophy was. I love it. I love it. Um, when you're when you're 
kind of talking about parents, things like that, I, I completely agree. I think it's really important to, to be friendly, um, to be nice. Mm-hmm. That's, that's never a problem, but, um, yeah, I think being smart about and, and being careful about parents and expectations of friendship is, is important because, you know, you get a parent who, who maybe is, is a friend to you. And then if, if something happens where their kid maybe isn't playing as much anymore, that can make for a really uncomfortable situation if that parent decides they're not your friend anymore. Well, and, 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 and you know, and, and not only that, but I mean, it hurts. I mean, I don't want, I mean, uh, God, I, that, that, that really is, that hurts when that happens. And I, uh, and, and so I don't, I didn't, I never wanted to be in that situation where, so, where somebody felt like I was going to somehow start making decisions for Max Price or for, you know, somebody else and uh, for, or for one of my coaches. But the other thing too, by the way, and this goes back to Dave and Dave Johnson used to drive us nuts with this. Uh, and it's so smart, but at the time, you know, we were young coaches and we just didn't understand. But he used to always said, Brian, you got to see the big picture. And of course, you know, that would generally mean that we were ticked off about something and we wanted him to do something, you know, especially if somebody like didn't allow us into their booth to scout the games or something, you know, well, we let you in our booth, you know, and, you know, and so Dave, you need to get after those guys. And he'd say, Brian, you got to see the big picture. And, you know, and, and here's what I came by, what I've realized out of that was your job as the head baseball coach is to battle for your program. That's your job. My job as AD is to say, Max, I appreciate where you're coming from, but you got to see the bigger picture. <laughs> and so I found myself saying the exact same things Dave was saying. And then, and then Laura's job at South or, you know, the principal's job is to say, Brian Armstrong, you got to see the bigger picture. And then as you keep going up, there's a bigger picture everywhere. In fact, you as a head coach, your freshman coach can get all fired up about something. And your job is to look at him and say, your job is to see the big picture. But we're not going to kick that kid off the team as a, as a 14-year-old. He could be a player for us down the road. You got to see the big picture. And, uh, you know, and I think that's one of the things as a younger coach, and I know I was that way, uh, you know, I wasn't interested in the bigger picture. I wanted something done. You know, and I'm glad that I had older people and people who had a broader view that would look at me and say, hey, you need to calm yourself down here just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really but, but by the same token, I, and I, I say this, your job as the head baseball coach, and you mentioned it earlier, is to fight for your program. I would be very disappointed if you didn't fight for your program. You know, so I don't mean I don't mean to be you know it's not shouldn't be it shouldn't be baseball versus anything if there's football, but 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 your job is to represent your program, and so I want a little fire out there, you know, and and by the same token, you know, I mean we you know uh, kind of rambling here, but if I go, but if I talk, uh, you talk about sportsmanship, I want to see you go out and have a chat with the umpire every now and again. I think your kids need to know that it doesn't mean you're going to get thrown out and you know do something silly, but by the same token, your kids need to know that, you know, I'm focused. I, you know, I'm, I'm going to battle for you guys and you're going to battle for your program. My job as AD is to say, okay, I get it. I appreciate that. But here's the, here's, here's the bigger picture. Yeah. I like that. It looks like we're kind of getting into coaches and expectations and, and things like that. So I think this is a good time to kind of dive into it. Um, when you were an AD and you had an opening for any particular uh, coaching position. What were you looking for out of a candidate? 
Uh, well, first of all, it's, you know, if we're talking at the varsity level, certainly, right. certainly, yeah. we're I'm looking for somebody that has sound knowledge in their, you know, you know, in the sport. I mean, it, they they have to know their sport. Uh, so they, but you, but you and I both know that that I baseball or 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 football or basketball or anything. I mean, I can find people that can X and O with the best of them. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's not what makes a great coach. I mean, anybody, I shouldn't say anybody, but a ton of people can strategize and theorize and do all that stuff. But that's not what makes a great coach. What makes a great coach in my mind, first of all, I want to know what their, I, I guess, fundamentally what I want to know is what were their relationships with people? Uh, you know, were they, were they somebody that were, got along with their fellow coaches? Were they somebody that got along with their AD? Like I said, I don't mind that they, you know, battle a little bit for their program. It doesn't bother me a bit. But, in fact, I expect that. But by the same token, I want to know that they got along with other coaches. Um, I also, but more, and, and I don't want to say more importantly, because I think it's equally important. you got to get, a, you know, the they had to get along with the kids. They had to be that person that could relate to the kids. And nowadays, especially in our, in the society we live in now, you got to kind of be a kid magnet of sorts. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to know those things. Uh, I will say this, and this is just a side note. I listen to people talk and it drives me crazy. The uh, they'll say, well, you know, God, we would have hired that guy, but he had a terrible interview. So does that mean that if Nick Saban interviewed for the South Salem football job, we'd look at him and say, you know, he probably would have been good, but he had a bad interview. Forget it. I mean, I, 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 you know, people, people don't, some people don't interview well. And you know this, I mean, and, you know, if you're organized and polished, you can come in and just nail an interview and really not be very good. Yeah. So I, to me, I, that, that I hear that all the time. Well, you know, we would have hired that person, but they had a bad interview. Well, then you didn't do your homework because that you should have known about that person before you interviewed them. And if you did, if you knew that, if you knew the person was a great coach and you didn't hire him because they didn't have a good interview, really? Uh, that to me, <laughs> anyway, I got a far afield again. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. No, you're right in where we want to be. Um, when you're looking at interviewing people um, within an interview, what were things that or questions that you you wanted to see answered? Um, even out, outside of an interview, obviously, you just mentioned if an interview didn't go well or, or they didn't hit it out of the park. But what types of questions were you asking and what kind of answers were you trying to find? You know, something, Max, the uh, uh, I over time. Um, a couple things. I, I experimented a lot with different types of interviews. You know, you, you probably, I don't know if you sat in the interview when you got hired at South or you somewhere when you got hired and they do this round table thing where yes. everybody asks a question, you know, and so Mike, I would ask a question and then they'd, they'd pass it on to the next assistant principal and then the next one. And I never understood what was the purpose of that? The, uh, you know, is it, so the other assistant principals just did, they didn't fall asleep. I, I don't, I, and so, I, I would, I, and so I kind of, so first of all, I, I kind of did away with that, but I also, uh, I tried to make his stuff as much situational as possible. First of all, that first question that everybody asked in the interview, Max, would you tell us about yourself? I've got your resume in front of you. I don't need you to tell me about you. I've got it. I, you wouldn't be here if I didn't know that stuff. So I guess what I want to know is, and I, I tried to do as much situational questioning. You're in a store, a parent comes up to you. 
and they, you know, they're mad about playing time. Uh, or right after practice, right after a game, a parent, you know, wants to talk about their kid. How are you going to handle that? I ask that of assistant coaches. You're in the store and uh, a, a, a person comes up to you and says, that coach Price doesn't know what he's doing. He's, you know, he, 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 he's playing the wrong people. What are you going to do? What's, what is your role as an assistant coach in that point? I wanted to put people in those situations uh, so that they could, I could get a, uh, a feel for how they'd be as a as a as a coach and how they'd handle those situations because that's really what it comes down to whether or not what defense you run on a first and third situation I mean that I can find five, 10 coaches and they'll all they all can do 10 different things but, yeah. but I want to know how you're going to handle that dad who comes up to you after a game and says you know the game's over 10 minutes and you've just lost a tough game maybe got knocked out of the playoffs and he wants to come up and talk about his kids playing time and you know I, I just want to know what your philosophy is on that so I did a lot of that kind of stuff um, trying to get to the core of the person who the person was how did that how did that change over time like when you I mean the role of coaches has kind of changed um, even in the I don't know when I start coaching I, at the nine or ten years I've been a coach kind of the roles of coaches have slowly changed um, and and how how we treat kids and how kids are and how parents are how did any of that play into your hiring process or your or even just how you coached coaches? Well, I think, and, and I, and I'll be honest with you, I coached with some great guys. I mean, uh, you know, Terry Haugen, uh, I mean, I, I, I learned so much from Terry Haugen that in terms of how to handle people, um, and, and just, um, Barry Adams. I mean, I did so many great people. And then when I was an AD, Sean Stanley and, uh, Larry Gar, I've, I've, you know, some great people, but, uh, I think in the old days, maybe, and, you know, I, I probably, yeah, probably when I first started, uh, there was going to be no discussion. The coach was the boss mm -hmm. and that was it. And, uh, so, you know, there, I, I, I think actually pro, you know, there would have, I, when I say there would be no discussion, you're not, not only might not have been a discussion, there might've been the head coach telling the guy, the, the, the parent get out of here. And if you talk to me again, your kid's never going to play. You know I mean? And that's, that's just, it's not, that nowadays you just don't, I mean, you can't do that. And I'm not sure that was a good way to do it either. I mean, I'm not saying, you know, I sometimes listen to older coaches long for the good old days. I'm not sure they were good days. I mean, they were, I, I, I mean, I don't, I, 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 and the thing that changes everything I think really is when you become a parent and you're, you're, you're in, when you're a parent and your kids in that situation and you know, you need to know, you want to know, you know, why, what he can do to be a better player, what she can do to be a better player. Uh, and you're, it's, it's a tough, it, it kind of brings a lot of perspective. So I think that, I think that, you know, the old my way or the highway deal is long gone. And I think you gotta, I think you gotta be a little smoother and how you, I, you know, and, and frankly, and Max, this is probably true too. I think coaches now are probably a lot more professional in you know, in terms of how they talk to people. Uh, you learn how to, you know, you, you learn how to, how to be diplomatic. Maybe that's the best way to put yeah. it. You know, I mean, you, you and I both know, and I'll give you a great example. At the end of the year, we have these awards banquets yes. and, and you've got kids on there that really didn't do much of anything in terms of their performance on the field. Uh, they didn't play much or they didn't hit much or, you know, whatever it was. And I'll tell you what, great coaches will make that kid sound so good at the end of the year. 
And, you know, and those, and, and yeah, anyway, so yeah, I think that I actually think in a lot of ways, coaches are so much more professional now just in, you know, how to deal with people and, and, um, uh, how, how they prepare. Uh, anyway, I, I, I think they were further, f- further along than we used to be. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think, um, one of the things that I've, I've noticed just in the you know time I've been coaching this decade, um, this past decade has been, as far as players go, um, a much bigger need to know why they have, they have so much more access to information now. So if a kid, you know, if I tell a kid, Hey, this is how I want you to, this is how I want your elbow to move in a swing or whatever, the kid can go on, on YouTube and watch hundreds of swings of major league baseball players whose elbows don't move that way. Mm-hmm. Right. That's just yeah. one example. And so then, you know, they could look at me and be like, well, what does this guy know? Like he's telling me to do something that Ken Griffey Jr. Didn't do. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think kids, nowadays have such such higher access to knowledge and information that it's as a coach one of the things that i've noticed for me is my understanding of why we're doing a drill why i'm having a kid you know make a mechanical change or anything like that i have to know that stuff i can't just i can't just walk in and tell a kid hey this is what we're going to do because this is the right way to do it because a kid can go find that information and go, well, not really. Uh-huh. Right? And yeah. so I think that's one of the biggest changes that I've had to make in my coaching career is, and I think it's a good thing because it's made me reflect and, and really make sure that I'm doing things that truly should be taught. And I think as, as a coach, just the ability to understand why you're doing a drill is so important. And, you know, the days of just telling a kid, this is how we do stuff. Like you were saying, those days are kind of done. Well, and, and if you think about it, Max, how many times, by the way, when you're explaining something, for example, how are you going to defend the bunt? Mm-hmm. And, and how many times, instead of even waiting for the question, you just explained, here's why we're doing this. Yeah, I think it's become a natural thing where a lot of times I lead with the why now. And, and you know, and then I listen to that as a kid and I go, oh, okay. You know, that's not how we did it on our summer team, but I get it. You know, and the and and if and this is where I think that uh, how is that different than what you do in the classroom? I've been lucky enough to actually see you in the classroom, but (laughs) but the uh, but when you're a teacher, that's what you do. You don't just get up and say, okay. uh, In in fact, I if you think about if you got your question earlier about about how things have changed, think about how teaching used to be. You know, in this in my day. Take out your notes, take, you know, here's what we're going to do. This is what you're going to do. And, you know, and we're going to have a test on Friday and that's it. And, uh, you know, and the, the idea of why are we doing this? That wasn't something anybody ever dealt with. This is just the way it is, you know, and, 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 how, and nowadays, and I think it's better teaching. You tell kids, that's what you're do, what you do in class is you, you know, guys, here's what, what we're doing and here's why we're going to do it. And, you know, and kids, I think, appreciate that. And then they go, oh, OK, well, you know, I mean, I like it, <laughs> uh, but but the but the bottom line is I see why, you know, so I, I think it's I think that it parallels teaching in a lot of ways. And you show me, by the way, a good teacher. And generally, I'll show you a pretty good coach. Yeah, I think that's true. I think, I think at the core of it, coaching isn't it's, it's it really isn't about uh like you were talking about just your knowledge of, of X's and O's and stuff. It's your ability to communicate with today's kids and to explain things in a way that make them understand and want to do it the way you're asking them to do it. Yeah. And and part of it is, and and maybe a lot of that's got to do with respect in terms of you, you know, you respect the idea that they have a right to want to know why I've always thought that people coach, they, when they first start coaching, they coach the way they were coached. And 
So, uh, and so if you had a coach that was a my way or the highway guy, and the reason he was a my way or the highway guy was it was the only way he'd ever known it. So we do first and thirds this way, and this is the way we're always going to do it, and we're going to do it that way, period. So, you know, well, is it because that's what he believes in his soul that is the best way to do it, or is that because that's the only way he ever learned? And so, and he does it, and he's afraid to try something else because he doesn't understand it as well. And so, you know, in a skill like you're involved with was hitting is a great example. You know, I mean, I, I learned as a kid that when you get in the batter's box, you know, get that elbow up, get that elbow up, you know. Well, why was that? Because that's what their parents were, or excuse me, that's where their coach was telling them. So that's what you say. And, uh, and I think when you take the time to explain to kids, here's why we're doing it, it comes across that this guy's he's done some research. He's pretty smart. He knows what he's talking about. And I, I think that's, I, and, and that's a sign to me of a good coach, a good teacher. And by the way, I'd also say you show me a good coach and I'll generally show you a good teacher as well. Yeah. I think it works both ways for sure. As a retired athletic director. Now I know you've been um, really involved in a lot of different things to kind of help coaches and players get better and also get recognized. Um, couple examples you're you have a facebook group that i'm a part of where you post um all sorts of tidbits and whatnot to, to help coaches with with development as as you know kind of making them better coaches and better humans you're a big player in the salem kaiser beacons organization which helps fundraise and and help kind of get more access for for kids to play sports and then you're also part of the salem sports and breakfast club i will do anything that promotes high school sports uh i believe i High school sports and and you and every other person who ever played high school sports that 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 looks back on it fondly. I change. I mean, it it, it was the probably the greatest influence in my life. And yes. the uh, and I would not. And I know people will hear this and say, "Boy, that's a little over the top." But it's true. I would not have the life I have today without high school sports. And I was a lower middle income kid from Tacoma, South Tacoma, and we didn't have any money. But I happened to be pretty decent at baseball. And, uh, you know, one thing led to another. I ended up going to college and playing and, you know, and meet my wife. And, you know, and I, I, it changed my life. So I'll do anything that promotes That's the sports. Not, not to interrupt or anything, but I had that exact same conversation this morning with, with our head football coach, Scott Defoe. We were talking about um, – how this year's group, we hope that they get to have a season, you know, mm-hmm. and they, if they, if they don't, they lose out on their season, their senior season. And I, I talked about how so much of my life trajectory is based off of, of, of all things, my senior year of high school in regards to baseball, I was not really good as a junior, as a senior, I, I kind of grew into some things and I, I did pretty good. So from there, I ended up going to college and played baseball. So I went to a college at, to Pacific University. Um, at that college, I met my future wife. Right now we have a son. And then through <laughs> that, I've, I became a coach when I was there. And so leading up all the way to today, I can trace it all back to my senior year of high school and baseball specifically. And so I think you're right. I mean, it's like for those who have played high school sports, like so much of our lives are affected and our trajectory of our life is based off of something so simple. Well, and you and you and Chris Lee talked about it when you did your podcast with Chris. And and I always try to tell people this. How is any kid, any young person worse off for having come in contact with Chris Lee? Mm -hmm. I mean, how is any athlete worse off for having come in contact with Chris Lee 
Max Price, uh, Scott Defoe, Sean Stanley. I mean, for two and a half to three hours a day, they're going to be in. They're going to be in the care of somebody that uh, you know is is teaching them values. And, uh, you know, and, and of course that all comes down to the hiring process. I mean, I'm assuming that you've got the right people, uh, you know, the right person in front of them. And I can say that 90, 95% of all the coaches I've ever met are the right people in front of them. And even if that doesn't mean the X's and O's, I mean, there's some people that are, that are uh, maybe not the greatest uh, strategists X and O people but and maybe didn't even didn't win a lot, and maybe they're not even coaching anymore. But they were still good people, and those kids are seeing those people every day. And so anything that that promotes Salem Sports and Breakfast Club, it's a you know I don't know if you know this, but Salem Sports and Breakfast Club actually in the fifties, sixties, and maybe even up to the early seventies, uh, I mean they used to have one hundred and fifty, two hundred members. Uh, it was crazy. I, you know, I, I went back and did some research on it in the paper, looking up articles and talking, you know, and it was a big deal. They used to have D Andros come in and, uh, you know, I mean, they, they had all, and it's kind of just over time, those, those guys that kind of made that work kind of, you know, they got old and have kind of passed on and, and, uh, you know, just, or just moved on to other things. So it's not, it's a relatively small club, but I don't care. Anything that anytime I can get, you know, we can celebrate a kid and what they've done on the field uh, to me is worth it. And, you know, now, of course, we've gone to Facebook and do all that kind of stuff. So at least there's a few eyeballs on it, you know, that can celebrate a kid for something they've done that, you know, then to me, that's worth it. Uh, the uh, um, you'd asked about the beacons. Uh, I got involved with the beacons, you know, the just and again, it's to celebrate it's for primarily to help out with participation fees. At least that's, but more than that, for me, it's, it's again, a celebration of, uh, of high school sports. So, you know, I'm involved in that. And then you, you'd mentioned one of them. I can't remember what it was. Um, oh, you run the, you run a Facebook group for coaches oh, and, and share all sorts of valuable information. with and, them. And Max, that is nothing, you know, uh, that to me, uh, that's that's about I, I would guess probably five out of every six of those I put up are from Bruce Brown's organization, yeah. Proactive Coaching, mm-hmm. and and class. he is you know I mean obviously as you listen to me you probably I'm probably parroting a lot of what Bruce would say, but uh, I I send those out because he'll send out little quotes and little things you know that so and so said or little and I only send those out to I send those out to all the coaches anybody who's a coach. Because if you're on the other end of that and you hear it or you read it and you say, hey, that, you know, if it if it sparks something, then that's awesome. And if not, most people probably read them and go, "Okay, whatever. But, uh, you know, but it's to me, I often thought, you know, a lot of that stuff that Bruce Brown sends out and then I share with everybody else is uh, I'd make those up in signs and my whole locker room would be plastered with them. I want I want a kid to sit in my locker room and look up at the wall and read something by somebody and say, "Hmm, I never looked at it that way." And you know, a lot of times they're going to look at it, they they won't even see it. It'll just be something on a wall. But uh, you know, but if 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 a kid looks at it and it strikes something, then to me that's awesome. And that's basically why I do it with coaches. I'm just sending them out, and hopefully somebody says, you know, that I hadn't looked at it that way. You know, so yeah, it's it's especially yeah. The proactive coaching is for those listening who haven't looked into it yet. Uh, jump on Google and look it up. It's it's 
career changing. Oh, it is. You know, the first and uh, you know, so here's a story for you that uh, I was probably my second year. Scott Cross. I don't know if you know Scott. Scott was uh, the assistant coach, or might have been actually the head coach at, at West at the time. And uh, he catches me in the hall and says, "Brian, we've been friends, by the way, because I coached with him at McKay back in '87, '88. The uh, but we've been friends for a long time. He catches me in the hall. Brian, I went and saw this guy the other day." And I'm, you know, and of course I'm the AD and I got a million things to do and I'm going, okay, yeah, okay, that's you know, great. And so, but he said, he, he's he, this guy named Bruce Brown and he tells me this story and he says to Bruce Brown and it's a true story. He did a, he did a survey and he asked kids, former athletes, you know, if you could have anyone at your games, you may have heard this, Max, the, uh, if you if you could have anyone at your games when you were playing in high school, who would it have been? And of course, I'm thinking, well, my parents, obviously, I want my parents there. And that was not the number one answer. You know what the number one answer was? Grandparents. And you know why? And you know what the kid's reason was? Because, because my grandparents love me no matter how I do. Mm. Now, think of that. And, yeah. you know, and that's true. Grandma and grandpa come to the game. And we're getting ice cream afterwards, and that's it. We love you. You're my, in fact, in you know, I mean, in fact, they'll defend you. In fact, my my daughter, when she was pitching at Sprague, my my wife's dad, you know, I mean, my daughter could let a ball go right through her legs, and he blamed the groundskeeper. I mean, it's like you know, because by God, that's why you know. And but yet, dads and moms, we tended to get in the car and coach them all the way down the hill. You know, and it's like, and so you think of that, that's, that's profound. And, you know, when kids would rather, because my, because grandma and grandpa just love me no matter what, you know, that's to me that I remember Scott telling me that, and that was like, wow. Yeah. Uh, as a coach, when you, you have players and parents and certain ones where you just know when they, when they make a mistake, even when you're in the middle of a game, the thought creeps in of, oh man, I, you know when this kid gets in the car today after the game, that's, he's going to have to relive that again. Yep. And, Br- and Br- your dad's going to bring it right back up. And Bruce said, and, and this is, you know, and, and I'm definitely, you know, as you listen to me, I'm somebody certainly strank the Kool-Aid, but the, uh, he said, <laughs> Kool-Aid to drink. Yeah. And he said, and he said, you know, that really what our role as parents is, we have, what is it? Six words or five or six words, whatever it is. I love to watch you play period. That's right. and, and quit talking after that. And then head to Dairy Queen or wherever it is. But, you know, the, you know, but don't, you know, don't coach. Let the, I mean, the kid needs to know that you're there for them no matter what. And let the coach coach. And, you know, and that's hard. I, I know now having said all that, I can sit here on my soapbox and tell you all that. I, I, I was, I, I'm ashamed. I'm embarrassed in some ways about the way I handled it. And I, I wish I'd have met Bruce Brown a long time before. <laughs> so he could have coached me through that whole parent thing. Yeah. But. Yeah. I preach it to our parents at the, at the, at our parent meeting in the preseason every year. You know, I kind of beg them to, if, you know, if your son brings it up in the car ride home and he wants to talk about it, that's absolutely one thing, right. But, um, you know, just tell him you love watching him play. And, you know, like you said, go get some food, go get some ice cream. I've seen, I've seen how it hurts kids. And I've also seen parents who are wonderful, awesome people, but they do it too. Awesome people. It's just, it's just, it's so hard not to, I think. Well, and, and again, the, the, I mean, that kid, that is the most important thing in your life. And, and again, it goes back to, remember that, what I said about having a bigger picture? Mm-hmm. Your job as a parent is to take care of your child. Yep, and that's your, that's your picture. 
you know, it might be somebody else that, you know, in your life that maybe your dad or somebody says, okay, Max, now you got to have a bigger picture here. But, but by God, it, you know, that's not anyway. So I think it's very consistent with the, you know, where your focus is. So anyway, the, uh, yeah, I'm involved in that and all any of those organizations I'm involved in. I mean, it's just because of high school sports. I just, I, I think it's, I, I think they're so valuable and I mean, and, and I, I, I think you can leverage high school sports. I think education can edu- can leverage high school sports and get so much out of kids. And, and, you know, and I mentioned this to you, the, you know, or you heard me say this before, but you know, when Chris was talking about Jed Lowry and, and, uh, um, Rocky and Rocky, but he also had, uh, whoever, uh, Brett Everett. Brett Everett. I mean, guy, he had some great players, you know, but he, the, and, and those are awesome. Those are, I mean, every coach, you, I mean, and you'll have those, you have those, you have a couple of those guys right now at Oregon and the, uh, and, and those guys are awesome. And that's an honor and a privilege, but the kid that I'm, you know, but you're going to run it, but the kid's life who you touched, who's now a plumber. And, you know, I mean, and that's the kid that, is going to go back and talk about what, and that doesn't mean the other guys aren't, they certainly are too, but it's an honor to coach those really, you know, the Andy Armstrongs and all those guys. But, you know, when you see that kid that, you know, was on your team who went on and had a life, you know, because, and a large part of that life was because of his experience with your baseball team. That's a pretty cool deal. I, and I still have guys, you know, and and it's funny because I, I've got players that played for me, you know, 25 years ago and they'll come up and talk to me in ways that I, I didn't even know that I had that big an impact. Really? You know, <laughs> and, and it's like, <laughs> and, but, but it probably wasn't me as much as it was. And I was part of it, but it was part of the whole experience, the whole high school experience. So yeah, I'm, I'm anything that promotes high school sports. I, you know, I'm, in fact, I probably got to learn to say no at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's a really natural point to kind of turn it to this. So obviously we're living in COVID times. We had here in Oregon, our spring seasons were, were canceled this past spring. Um, our basketball teams, like locally at our own high school, we had both of our basketball teams in the, in the state playoffs. Um, and their, 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 their season was ended right then and there. Um, fast forward to now we're in the, we're in the fall. Um, our OSAA, which is the governing body for high school sports here in Oregon, they basically told every school district, it's up to you to decide what you want to do between now and January 1st, basically, which is when they'll start with the, with the condensed seasons. Um, and so you have different districts throughout the state. Some are already practicing and doing things and some aren't doing anything at all. Um, locally, uh, here at Salem Kaiser, um, no sports have happened or, or happened yet. They're looking at possibility of having workouts. At the same time, students aren't in class, right? Everything's online. So from an outside point of view, if, if you know, a parent or, or someone in the community drives by the baseball field and our baseball team's out there practicing, and yet none of those kids are allowed to go to physical school, but they can do sports. And someone looks at that and goes, well, gee, look, sure enough, sports get to happen, but the kids can't even go to class. Why should we have sports even though we can't go into school buildings right now? I think because, first of all, kids who are involved in sports are doing so by choice. So it's not as if that there are at South Salem High School 2,000 kids that want to participate in baseball who when people go by Gilmore are being denied that opportunity. Okay. So first of all, those kids are out there voluntarily. Secondly, uh, just, just, I saw it, I saw it in our football workouts in the summer 
we had gone from, you know, we weren't allowed to have any workouts until what, July, early July. And I mean, and the kids just needed to, uh, they were so happy just to be out and be physically active and to interact with anybody. Uh, uh, And I don't know if that, I I have no objection to ban doing the same thing, for example. Uh, You know, I mean, as long as they have to follow the same, and I don't even, I'm, I, uh, as long as they follow the same rules, I guess what I was going to say, the same social distancing rules. Because if the social distancing is important for sports, then it's important for band. It's important for everybody. Okay, I get that. But I think that g- having kids be involved with other kids somehow uh, and be uh, and and be participate in something with a goal. Uh, it uh, kids at this age, at, at that you know uh, adolescent age are so vulnerable to the mental health issues. And, and I, I just think that anything you can do. And I, and so if you ask me what, well, there you go. How come baseball's involved, you know, allowed to have practices? I don't care. Then have band, have practices, have choir, have practices. I, I think kids, whatever, however you determine safe, determine safely now in these conditions, any kids who could get together safely, I'm, I'm all for it. You know, I, I don't want to put anybody else at risk, but, you know, it's, uh, again, I go back to sports, though, is that that's a voluntary activity. So, you know, if they're out there on a field, they're doing so voluntarily, nobody's forcing them to be out there. So. You talked earlier about leveraging leveraging education and sports together. You got any examples of that? Uh, I, I, it's, well, first of all, I think it happens all the time. I think that it happens when, uh, when, the AD calls in a head coach and says, Hey, you know, so-and-so is not pra- you know, not fa- not pass enough classes. Uh, and you know, or he's, or he's failing class or he's, or he's being, a, he's acting badly in another, I mean, what, what's happening is that you're using sports to leverage that behavior to go, you know, to address that behavior. I just think you could do so much more with it. I, I think if, if I, you know, in my, perfect world in which I was superintendent and I got to make all the decisions. Uh, I, I would, I, I would, I would make sports and active. I, I would want every kid to be involved in sports or activity and I would push it. I would, I would prioritize it because I think, and, and Max, you know, this, I pass school because of sports. I can't tell you a heck of a lot about my algebra two class, but I can tell you a lot about my <laughs> baseball team. And I, and, and I got there and I went to school because, you know, and, and, well, one of the reasons I went to school was because I had to be eligible. And I had to do what I was supposed to do in order to be on the baseball team. And I think that if, if we took advantage of all um, activities and athletics and really made that a focus and, uh, and really, uh, and I think there's some things you could do at the district level. You know, I, I, I think that the district could say, you know, and I'm just making this up off the top of my head, but you know, we're going to support the athletics. It's going to be, we are really all in on athletics, but UADs, you need to communicate to your coaches with that come some, some expectations. And we expect kids in those programs to be doing well academically. And what I, and I don't mean support like you're like, we see it now I'm talking about, you know, uh, maybe some more financial support, more, uh, just more support in general. I, I get the feeling sometimes in our district that sports are kind of an afterthought. They're uh, something to be put up with. Uh, and I'm speaking very honestly now. And uh, and so and I and I I want it to be that 
people value it. They look at it and say, no, that's, those are really important things and we're going to use sports and therefore we're going to use coaches to make sure kids do well academically. We're going to hold, hold everybody responsible. And in, and in turn, we are going to, we're going to financially support sports. We're going to do whatever we can to make sure that our sports in Salem Kaiser are, are successful. The other thing too, is I've never, I, you know, this is a pet peeve. If you're going to have a program, then make it a good program. If you're going to have athletics, then, 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 then try to compete. We're very proud. Salem Kaiser is very proud of their music program and, and rightfully so. They're yeah. Awesome. Well, and, and, but you know, when that, when that first started to take place was when they started to win state championships and all of a sudden we got this gold medal program going and, you know, and so that they supported it at such a high level and guess what happens? You get success, you get great things happening. And I, I'd, I'd like to see that kind of level of commitment to sports. For example, I won't name names here, but Eric Johansson, you know, won the, you know, the state championship. I, I was he the last, I, he might've been the last state championship that, uh, that was won at South Salem and, you know, in soccer, boys soccer. And I can't remember if that, how, when that he was, it was, you know, quite some time ago now, about 10 years, 10, 12 years ago. And in, in my day, what would have happened was the superintendent would have came to the school and had an assembly and presented him the trophy, you know, and, and that would have been a cool deal. And, and, or, you know, and it'd be interesting to ask Eric if he ever got any communication at all from the superintendent. And, you know, so I just, that's what I guess I'm talking about. I, I, I want, uh, I think you can, and, and I think when you do those things for coaches and you, you make them know that it's that important to you, then you can ask some things of coaches. You can say, you know, you can go to coach and say, Hey, you need to, coaches, you need to make sure your kids are performing in the classroom because we're supporting you. Yeah, well, when we so from a baseball standpoint, we've uh, the last ooh, I think three years we've gone to Boise for our spring break trip, which um, might not make a lot of sense because you're supposed to. The idea is in the Pacific Northwest, you should go south <laughs> in March to get better weather. But what, what can you do? So we've gone to Boise the last uh, three years, uh, except for this this year because we didn't have a season, of course. But great baseball is a lot of fun. But as soon as you get there and you start going to these schools in Boise. Uh, just driving up to them, you know immediately that in Boise they value high school sports. Well, then they must not be any good academically. Come on, Mac. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see that, that you know what I'm saying. You that, just know. You just yeah. you drive in there and you see you. Uh, there's just a feeling as you drive in and you go to a high school in Boise uh, and you see their facilities and you see the care they put into them and you see just just how how important sports are to them mm-hmm. and it's it's. It's interesting then coming back here to Oregon and there's pockets, but for the most part, there is that feeling in Oregon, at least in a lot of our districts where maybe sports don't feel that important. Yeah. And, and, and again, I, 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 I was facetious with you, but, but I think a lot of people will, will say that they'll, they'll see, well, look at those guys. That's all they care about. So no, those aren't mutually exclusive. I'll bet you those same districts that have those great, you know, when you, when you walk in and see those great athletic facilities, generally, 
they they also want great academics at the same time. And well, if I, I think a lot of what, a lot of it is the culture it builds. Yeah, so you have you have you have really good facilities. You have students who are invested in maintaining those facilities because they're so nice. Mm-hmm. And then you build this culture of not even winning. I mean, you, you maybe you win too, but if all the schools have the same stuff, then some are going to win and some are going to lose. But you build this culture around sports that unites a school and has you have all these kids who are being held accountable for their academics based on sports. And they want to maintain that and they want to have this amazing culture. And so I think it bleeds into everything else the school does. And is there anything wrong with that same district who has provided all of these facilities and these this great sports experience? Is there anything wrong with that district then in turn saying, okay, Coach Price, on the academic side, we need your help? And, you know, and I think you would gladly do it because you know you're appreciated. Absolutely. You know, and, and you would do it anyway. I mean, I mean, most and 99.9% of our coaches do that. But just think if, you know, if, if you were, if, if the feeling was that you were taken care of like that, or you were honored like that, maybe not taken care of is a good word, but honored, then, then when somebody comes to me and says, okay, here's the other side of that coin. The other side is we need you to make sure your kids are taking, you're taking care of business in the classroom. I, I think most coaches would go absolutely, you know, I uh, because I've been appreciated. I I mean I agree completely. It's so true. Um, getting down to the end here, I want to hit you with just, just some quick questions. You, uh, the answers don't have to be quick. Um, you were an AD for for quite a while. Um, you have a, a head coach who's preparing to go in for an interview um, tomorrow. What advice would you give that head coach? What should he show up to that interview prepared with or for? You know, there's a I, I got stories for everything. Uh, yes, I heard we, we hired a, a head basketball coach one year and, uh, we had a couple other applicants come in and, and, uh, anyway, this head coach had been on the staff for several years and he was probably the number one candidate. I think he knew he was probably the number one candidate when he came into interview and, and with us, he came in and he, he came in in a full suit and you know, he didn't have to do that. I, I, I mean, he was on the staff. He probably was, like I said, he was the front runner and he could have come in and, and, you know, some, a lot less, but he sat, he came in a suit. He passed my office every day on his way to get his stuff out of his, uh, teacher's box every day. And this time when it came time to interview, he came in, he, he checked in with the receptionist. This is a guy who walks up to the receptionist from through the teacher every day and he comes in he 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 comes into the interview he hands us a full packet of material again this is i guess what i'm getting at is the guy came in and respected the process he respected the process he respected the position and you know it's not some people would look at that and said oh he was playing the game okay then he played the game whatever but you know he he came in and to me that was an extra effort that he didn't have to make the other thing is i i would tell anybody who's interviewing you better know about your school what you I mean i if i walk into interview at beaverton high school and i know nothing about beaverton high school then that's going to become pretty apparent right away uh the other thing i think i'd tell people is that x's and o's are great don't uh, but I, but I, and you know, you were talking about these interview process where you do the round the circle thing, yeah. you know, well, the AD is interested in your answers on X's and O's. 
And the rest of them are going, I mean, they, chances are they don't know much about sports even. Yeah, that's so, true. So, yeah. you know, how whether you run a 5-1 offense in volleyball or a 6-2, I couldn't care. I mean, I, I don't – so – I, I guess you, you need a, that would not be my emphasis. You need to come in prepared for that, but that wouldn't be my emphasis. The emphasis for me is I want to know what your philosophy is on handling kids. By the way, I started to tell you this. I did, I did this a couple of times with different interviews, just different interview methods. One time I, and it was fascinating. I interviewed for something. I can't remember what the position was, but I told them, I said, it called all the applicants and I said, you got a 40 minute interview and you're running the whole thing. You run it. We're not even going to answer. You, you, you're going to come and basically you're going to sell us on why we shouldn't, or you're going to sell us uh, on why we should hire you. I, I So, you know, because what you talk about and how you organize that will probably tell me a lot about who you are. Um, and so if you get up there and talk about 20 minutes of X's and O's, okay, that's fine. But you haven't talked at all about what kind of person you are or how you're going to, you know, relationships and and, you know, so I did that a couple of times, you know, uh, the, uh, we, we did some other things where, uh, oh, I mean, just different formats trying to get to away from the kind of pad answers, you know, but, uh, did, like I said, I did a lot of situational stuff. I encourage, I break in a lot. I, you know, you're, if, if you start talking and you, and you ask me, or I find something interesting you say, or I, I I'm unclear that I'm just going to interrupt and say, you know, I'm going to, I'm just going to ask. Uh, and cause I want it to be a conversation. I interviewing is a hard thing and it, it's kind of dog and pony show in a lot of ways. And so what I want it to be is if it can become more of a conversation then I can learn about you and, you know, we can have a conversation. I think that's much more valuable. So I guess what I would tell people is come in with your X's and O's prepared, uh, know something about the school, but the main thing is you better have a philosophy. I think you have to have a philosophy. I told coaches when, you know, the thing that I, my philosophy was, you know, every coach, every head coach is going to run into tough situations. And I mean, with a kid and it comes to that time, you know, where you got to make a decision. Are we going to keep this kid on the team or is it time to say, you know, Hey, see you later. And I used to tell coaches, the bottom line is you got to look yourself in the mirror. And if you can look yourself in the mirror, then I'm okay with any decision you make. Uh, you know, so if you bend over backwards for a kid that's, you know, uh, a troubled kid, but you're doing it for the best of reasons, not because you want to win and not because, you know, but if you're doing it for the best of reasons for that kid, I can live with it. You know, but when you get to the point where you're saying that kid right now is hurting the rest of my team, then that's the point at which you can't look yourself in the mirror anymore and you got to say that's it so i i kind of want to know what those personal qualities are for philosophical ones we used to ask we used to ask a question this is a fascinating question and i didn't understand it for a long time and i finally understood it the uh we would ask an applicant you know if you were interviewing with us we might say uh max to give us one word and you only get to use one word to describe that parents would use to describe you <laughs> and and then we'd say uh, same thing. How would a supervisor, how would your AD describe you? How would your assistant coaches describe you? Because if you think about that, if you can do that in one word, then that means you probably thought about your philosophy. You know, so I, I, if, if somebody said, if, if I asked you that and you said organized for how kids see you, well, that tells me probably how your practices are going to be. You know, man, he's organized, uh, a communicator, 
you know, I, and there's just whatever it was. But the uh, but the more I thought about it, if if you're a coach and you can describe how these different groups would see you in that one descriptive word, I think it's probably somebody who's thought a lot about their philosophy and who they are. Yeah, I think when I was when I was preparing to get hired and I was trying to put things together, I think I spent the most time on my philosophy mm-hmm. as an assistant coach. You. In your mind, you have these thoughts, but I, for most assistant coaches, probably it's rare to actually sit down and like force yourself to think through them and put pen to paper. If you could go back to young Brian Sutherland when you're first starting out in your coaching or AD career, either one's fine. Uh, what does he need to know that that you know now? Oh man, uh, the young Brian Sutherland was. I, I, I would not say maturity would have been, you know, when, when, when I interviewed and, you know, they asked me that one word, maturity probably wouldn't have been it. Uh, the, uh, I needed some perspective. I needed, uh, I, I needed Dave, guys like Dave Johnson to, you know, to, you know, keep telling me to keep doing what I'm doing now, telling stories and reminding me of things and, and keeping me focused on what was important in coaching and especially in high school coaching um, that, you know, that you winning and losing, you know, is, is important and winning, you know, it's great to win, but it's not, you know, the most important thing necessarily. Uh, um, but I just, you know, I, and I, and I don't know that I don't, that's why I said, Max, that I think one of the things you're doing that's so great about this thing is if people listen to these things about coaching my hope is that because everybody, when they first start, isn't very good, you know, and, this is true. and so and so but if, by doing what you're doing, if we can shorten the learning curve and 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 you can uh, and you can avoid some of the mistakes that people like me made, uh, you know, so where, where you step in it and you uh, and if, if we can do that and avoid that, you know, it makes for better relationships with kids. Um, you know, how, how many kids did I come in contact before I gained the perspective that I have now? You know, I mean, when I was young and, you know, winning was really important and we're going to win state championships and this season is no good if we don't win it, you know, blah, 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 blah. And yeah. And so I, you know, I, but I guess by doing all this stuff you're doing and just talking about these things and getting people to think about this stuff that people under, you know, can maybe become good coaches earlier, faster. And I mean, with good perspective, I mean, you know, um, you and I both know a ton of people that didn't, you know, they never won state championships, but again, we'd all say they were great coaches and great people. I think some of the best coaches, well, actually I, I, I know the, the best coaches I ever had never won a state championship. They still, I mean, they, they won plenty of games, but they, you know, they, Ryan Starwalt, who's the the head baseball coach down at Crescent Valley, um, said something to me once that I that cut my learning curve by probably twenty years. Mm-hmm. Um, when we we played them and we were talking before the game, and uh, he was talking about winning and and how fleeting a feeling the the positive feeling is after you win a after you win a game or after you win you know have, have a good season. You know, if you win a state title, it feels good. It's great for a few days. But then when it's all done, what, you know, what have you actually accomplished? And he's, he talked about how you're, if you're always chasing wins, then when a season doesn't end with a win, 
which by the way, only one can be that way. Yeah. The the only option, the only way to look at it is that the season was a failure then. So if all you're doing, so what he said is if all you're doing is chasing wins, then you will fail way more often because at the end of the season, you're not going to win the state title every year, if not once in your whole career. Yeah. And you know, that's so funny. He said that because that uh, I'll tell you a conversation I had with Barry Adams. Barry Adams had just won the state championship in 1995 at South. And so I don't know, it was the next day or something. We were at school or two days later. And I said, so coach, I said, now that you won the state title, and by the way, that was the second one. He won one at Hillsborough. And, uh, and I said, so now what is it? Uh, he said, ah, you know, I'll, I'll enjoy it for a couple three days and then we start again. And, you know, and what he was saying was in hindsight, what he was saying was it's about the journey. It's not about the win and losing because the bottom line is that he just won a state title. Like you're saying, if by, if, if you're, if it's all about winning, then you're done. Then you're, I mean, you've just won, you won the ultimate quit. You, you mean that there's no more. And he, for him, it was like, okay, that's great. You know, and I enjoy it for a couple of days and now it's back with the next group of guys and we'll give it our best shot again. And, you know, and that's to me is what high, high school sports is about. But that's fascinating that, you know, that coach said that. And for whatever reason, at that point in your life, that stuck with you. Yeah, that's what I needed to hear at that exact moment. Yeah. I heard it. Yeah. And it, it, it helped me because you, you, when you get a job as a coach, you can, you'll do lip service to, a, you know, a handful of things. But when you're first becoming a coach, you're, you want to win. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And that feeling never goes away. You always want to win because it always feels better mm-hmm. to win. But I think what was really important for me is learning and understanding that winning is a byproduct of doing other things the right way. Yeah. And then winning just happens. We could do things and be, and be all right. But ultimately if a team that's more talented than us walks in, they might win and winning just becomes the byproduct of of doing things the right way over the course of a long period of time. And you could do, and you could do all of those right things that you're talking about and not win. It's exactly what you were saying earlier. By definition, does that make the season a failure? No, it, you know I mean, that may, kids are going to walk out of there with memories, and you know they're you're going to be their baseball coach. You're going to be their high school baseball coach for the rest of their life, and that's the bottom line. I mean, I, I mean, you think about how awesome that is. You know, fifty years from now, these kids that you're coaching are going to be sixty-seven, seventy years old, and Max Price will be my baseball coach. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> It's, it's really about what you, as a high school coach, how, I mean, how are you affecting these kids' lives? And that's, you know, to me, and, and like, again, I, I, high school sports changed my life. So I'll, I'll always, I mean, it'll always be something near and dear to my heart. Brian, it's been an awesome conversation. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on and, and spending a little over an hour with us and, and just kind of sharing the wisdom you've accrued over, over a long career. Well, I appreciate it, Max. The uh, and uh, you know compliments to you on what you're doing here. Uh, anything that can help coaches, uh, just e- e- even if there's just a nugget in here uh, of, of in this particular one for, coming from you or coming from me that helps a younger coach or a new coach become, uh, like I said, move them along the learning curve. Because if they're moved along the learning curve, it means they're treating kids better, and that's a great thing. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. As always, you can find the High School Coaches Club by going to our website, www.highschoolcoachesclub.com. In addition to Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, at HS Coaches Club. 
coaches, trainers, administrators, uh, even players uh, can all provide us with stories that, that help us improve ourselves and the lives of our athletes too. So uh, here's the deal, everyone. Um, if you know somebody who'd make for an awesome guest here on the podcast, even if that somebody is you, uh, please email me at highschoolcoachesclub at gmail.com. Um, coaches, trainers, administrators, players of seriously any sport uh, at the high school level. Uh, if you've got something or you know somebody who's got something to offer up to the rest of us, um, please reach out to me. That's the best way to kind of help this community grow. Um, lastly, you can always reach out to me personally, and this is really the fastest way to get a response because I spend probably far too much time there. Um, on Twitter, uh, my handle is at Mr. Max Price. Uh, so hey, I appreciate you being a part of the High School Coaches Club. Uh, honored that you tuned in and, and spent some of your time here with us. Uh, so thank you for that. And as Coach Lee would say, loving you. <laughs>